Welcome, friends. You're listening to the Swears and Does Hair podcast for bridal hairstylists and makeup artists looking to take their business to new levels. Here we tackle topics such as mindset, finances, balancing business with motherhood, and healthy strategies to keep your body and mind supporting your business rather than holding it back. I'm your host, Sue Minsky, business coach for bridal hairstylists and creator of the Next Level Bridal Business Program. Thanks for joining me. I can't wait to dig into today's topic, so let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Swears and Does Hair podcast. I'm your host, Sue Minsky, and today's topic is what to look for in an assistant. So um, I am continuing on in my series that I started a couple of episodes ago. So if you haven't listened to that one, go ahead and listen back to it. Um, It is episode number 37. It is the first one that I did in season two. And I talked about um, what to um, do and not do when you are an assistant. So if you are somebody looking to hire assistants, I wanted to do a second episode for you today to talk about what to look for um, when interviewing these people, talking to these people, either online or in person. Um, to make sure that you are hiring the people that are going to best represent and help build your business uh, and how to establish better relationships with those people. Now, inside my coaching course, Next Level Bridal Business, I briefly touch on team building, but that's not my area of expertise. There are much better coaches out there that are good for helping you to set up a blueprint and build a full team. That's not my forte. I work more one-on-one with um, businesses who are independent hairstylists or makeup artists or combo artists like myself, um, build sustainable, long-term profitable businesses for themselves where they are hiring in independent other artists just like themselves to assist on wedding days rather than going the team building route. So if that sounds like something that you are interested in, please feel free to reach out to me after the episode. I'd love to speak with you more about helping to build that core business first, because once you have that and you have the right systems in place and you're building up a sustainable and like I said, profitable business that balances your work and your free time effortlessly, then you can go and you can expand and you can start building a team from there. Because if you just kind of jump right into team building, because your focus is making as much money as you can, or the accolades of being able to say, my company serviced 300 brides last year, but you can't manage the business side of being able to handle 50 weddings for yourself without feeling burnt out, stressed, or overwhelmed, or having to hire a bunch of additional people to help you manage the back end and the administrative side of things, you're probably not ready to go ahead and multiply that by every team member that you want to add. So um, this episode is kind of trying to help you bridge the gap so it can be applied towards the people who are in that team building phase when it comes to uh, hiring employees and team members 
or for the people who are independent artists who are like, hey, I need to have people that I can rely on to come in and assist me on wedding days when I have a large bridal party and I don't have to worry about them. Um, I don't have to micromanage them. I don't want to have to worry about them stealing my clients, all those kinds of things. How do I find the right people to come and help build my business without having to turn around and be like, well, what benefits do I offer to them? And how do I build this team? That's, um, you can take this information that I'm going to talk about today and apply it to either business model. Uh, but if you're looking for more coaching on the core business building aspect of things, that is what I specialize in. So I just wanted to put that out there that I'm not that kind of coach that talks about team building. Uh, that's not the only focus of today's episode. So the first thing when you're looking for assistance is to find people who have a similar portfolio look to what you already offer. Because if you're a soft romantic boho kind of stylist, whether that's for hair or for makeup, and you are looking to bring in assistance and their portfolio and their social media and everything that they do is this high glam Kim Kardashian kind of style looks, their work is not going to appeal to the clients that you're hiring. And there's going to be a disconnect. Okay, so you want to first make sure that you are thinning out the pool of potential artists and making sure that their work aligns with your client base. Okay, so you want everything to look seamless because why on earth would you try to convince a bride to hire you and let you bring in additional artists uh, if everybody in the bridal party is going to look like they maybe did their own makeup? did it well, but looks different. The whole purpose that brides come to us is not just the convenience of everybody um, having it done, but also so that there's a cohesiveness. When you have some people who do their own makeup, but they do it really well, but they're doing that whole Instaglam kind of look and the bridal parties kind of got more of a soft, natural makeup, um, so that, you know, they're not quote unquote, uh, sh outshining the bride kind of thing. There's that one bridesmaid who always is like, okay, that's all, you know, how to do. And that's all you think needs to be done for, you know, wedding or photos. Cause a lot of people have this misconception that it has to be super crazy contoured, heavy, dramatic to, you know, to show up in photos. And it's like, no, you're just doing it wrong. So there's always that one person or so in that bridal party who did their own hair, who did their own makeup, and they stick out like a sore thumb in photos because they're not part of that co whole cohesive look. And a lot of times bridal parties or brides will hire for the whole bridal party because they want everybody to look similar. How many times have you heard a bride be like, my mom does not know how to do her own makeup? My mom does not know how to do her own hair. I want her to get her hair or her makeup done so she doesn't look bad in my photos, okay? There are a lot of people who are out there like that. I've been doing this for 15 years and I've heard that time and time again because the bride knows that their mom is gonna have a really outdated look. You know how many times I've had moms bring in, they're like, here, I have my, you know, 
my makeup bag and they bring it out and it's just, it's whatever they were sold at the, the Mac counter or the Estee Lauder counter uh, 20 years ago. And they just keep rebuying it and they don't really know how to use those products, but they think it's really good. It's professional stuff or really high quality stuff, but the look is really outdated. The colors are wrong for them because it's been 20 years and they've just been repurchasing the same things over and over again. So there's a lot of reasons why people hire a professional that aren't just the convenience of, hey, let's have somebody come in and pamper us for the day. We want a whole cohesive look. So when we're hiring team members to come in and represent our company, we want to make sure that it's not going to have this kind of mismatched look in photos. That's all going to look nice and cohesive. And then we're going to be able to use those photos in our marketing too. Because if you hire an assistant and half the bridal party looks like Kim Kardashian and the rest look like Hailey Bieber, you know, there's very, that's very different aesthetics. All right. Um, and the, the photos aren't going to represent your company accurately. The next thing to consider um, is location. How close are they to either where your studio is or where the majority of your weddings happen? So I ran into this. I'll tell you a little story here real quick. I used to own a team. I had a business partner. This was like way back in like 2011, so 11 years ago. I've been doing makeup professionally for a few years. I took on a business partner. She did hair. We hired a team. We grew really fast. She was based out of Baltimore and I let her take over all of the hiring. And I was like, okay, you know what? I'll, you handle all the hiring. I'll do all these other things or whatever. I was in Northern Virginia. It was, our houses were about two hours apart, but we came together and we worked on a lot of weddings in the DC area and Northern Virginia. Well, the studio was out of my home. So she hired all these people that she could easily find an interview and that she knew um, through, you know, word of mouth and who she worked with and stuff like that. They were all based out of Baltimore near her because that was where her contacts were. That's where she was. And so all of these employees were all two hours away from where our studio was based and two hours or so from where the majority of our weddings took place. Um, and I didn't want to keep going into DC all the time. I certainly didn't want to be going into Maryland. So my focus on booking for the business was in Northern Virginia, which meant these people had to be driving two hours each direction every time they needed to come into the studio for um, trials and hours each direction for wedding days. Okay. And that really cut into how much we were able to profit as a business because we had to be paying them for this travel. So you want to make sure that when you're looking for people, just because they have good work and they're available and they're willing to make the drive, you have to ask yourself, okay, is it fair for me to only charge them what I'm willing to commit to out of my profit? for them to come and work with me on these weddings. Because yes, you can turn around and you can charge that travel to the bride, but if the bride is like, well, I am in you know, Arlington, Virginia, my wedding is in Arlington, Virginia, and I've hired a company based in Arlington, Virginia, because I don't want to pay these big travel fees, but some of their artists are coming to me from Baltimore and I have to pay these Baltimore travel rates, they're going to pass you by. They're going to be like, no, I didn't hire somebody from Baltimore for a reason. 
So um, location is really important. You want to make sure that you're having people um, uh, who you can have come to where your weddings are happening. When it's time to interview them or time to kind of talk to them and find a little bit more about their business and how they run things and what they do, um, you want to kind of research them. You want to stalk them a little bit. What is their reputation like online? How do they represent themselves? Uh, when you go on Facebook and you search for them, what kinds of conversations are they having with people? Um, especially how do they treat other people in the industry? I'm sure you've seen some people in Facebook groups who get out there and they'll ask a question or they'll jump into a Facebook group and it's kind of like that Reddit, you know, thing of, you know, uh, am I the asshole here? And some artists just want to go into a Facebook group of their peers and bitch about brides. And they don't want to hear that they actually did something wrong or that there's something about their process and how they run their business that can be done better to eliminate that problem in the future. They just want to bitch and they want to be told, yes, girl, you're so right. This bride's a bitch. This bride is wrong. All these brides are horrible. You know, nobody does this. Nobody does that. Everybody does this or whatever. They just want validation for their anger and their frustration in that moment. Those are probably not great people to hire as an assistant. Okay, because they don't like to take responsibility for their own behavior and their own actions and the consequences of their behavior on their own business. They're probably not going to have a healthy attitude for the consequences that happen to your business. So see how they are um, not just with clients and people who are paying the money, because some people will just go out there and they will inauthentically ask kiss the people who are giving them money because they're like, oh, you know, I put my customer service voice on, you know, and they put on this facade of being this nice person to people who are giving them money. But in the background, they'll turn around and they'll go talk about them. So don't pay attention to just how they speak in, you know, Facebook wedding groups when they're trying to get people to book with them. See how they talk to their peers. That'll give you a deeper insight into how they handle challenges in their own business and how likely they are to overcome challenges within your business too. If they have a client who is difficult on a wedding day, how are they going to stand up? How are they going to represent your business to these customers? Same thing um, with Instagram. Take a look at not just their feed. Don't just look at their portfolio and the professional polished highlight reel that they're posting. Okay, that does not give nearly as much of an accurate view um, as their Instagram stories. What are they posting in their stories? Are they out drinking all the time? Are they out partying uh, when they are going off to a wedding in the morning and they're posting the behind the scenes? How are they dressed? If you have are somebody who has high standards when it comes to how you show up on the wedding day, you expect the people to have makeup on, you know, uh, business casual or, you know, like a certain level of how you want them dressed, um, you know, no, no yoga pants or no leggings or no sweatpants or, jog, you know, like if you have those type of standards, look at them. 
they're usually posting behind the scenes of them working on the wedding day. And those things pop up in stories. So kind of stalk their Instagram stories. How do they represent themselves professionally on a day of see behind the scenes photos of them working, take a look at the body language of the people in the photo around them. Are they smiling? Are they happy? Are they looking like they're enjoying having their hair or their makeup done? All these type of things, pay attention, okay? It'll give you some insight, again, to how they are on a wedding day, how they conduct themselves professionally, whether or not they're somebody that can be reliable. Now, you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, when I was in college and Facebook was coming out, I remember having a conversation with people and being really pissed off that some employers were admitting that they were looking people up on Facebook and they were using their online profiles to judge them before an interview. And I remember being so angry about that and being like, what the fuck does my personal life have to do with my professional life? Who cares what I do in my own time? It's about what I do when I'm working. But who you are in your personal life does bleed over into who you are professionally especially when you're an independent business owner and you're working closely in person with the public. Now, if you are somebody who sits in a cubicle and works behind a computer screen and doesn't interact with people on a regular basis, what you do in your personal life, yeah, that may not matter. But are you showing up to weddings hungover, exhausted? Are you burning yourself out in your business because you're overworking yourselves? Those kinds of things matter. So those are the kinds of things that um, impact your ability to remain professional on a job and to be reliable, okay? It's really about professionalism and reliability. And the longer you get to know somebody and, you know, giving them an opportunity to work for you, judge how they behave on wedding days, okay, I'm not saying just because somebody goes out on Friday nights and drinks that they're going to be completely unreliable. That's not the kind of thing that I'm saying, but it could be a red flag that somebody um, is not taking care of themselves and is going to be showing up to weddings on an early morning, overexhausted, overexerted, burnt out, hungover. They need to be able to show up fresh face, ready to go, ready to put the right energy into the room. Cause you know, it's really a lot of it has to come down to what type of energy do you want representing your business? The tired, exhausted, overworked, burnt out, hung out, excuse me, hung over um, artist or somebody who is like, no, I don't go out on Friday nights. I go to bed early. I set five alarm, you know, like I want to make sure that I show up and that I'm ready to work and ready to, you know, put my best self out there. When you're talking with them in person, you might want to look, are they using similar products to you? And this kind of comes down a little bit more to makeup um, and makeup artists because hair doesn't necessarily make the same um, distinction. Like, do they use a crimper to crimp at the root or volumizing? Are they using the right products to get long lasting results in the right texture and in the style of work that you're, you're doing? 
Yes. You know, like that plays a part, but there's a million and one ways to skin a cat, so to speak, when it comes to hair, I believe. When it comes down to makeup, um, if you have one person that does airbrushing and they don't hand apply at all, they airbrush exclusively and you're an artist who doesn't offer airbrushing, they may not be the best assistant to bring in because the the general public is not educated enough to understand that airbrush don't mean shit. It's just literally the method of applying. Some people like a brush, some people like a sponge, some people like an airbrush. It's not fucking magic. And if you're a makeup artist who somehow thinks it is, you've been lied to, sweetheart. You just need to understand it is just an application method. All right. There is no more magic in an airbrush foundation than there is in any other foundation. If you are using the right skincare prep for the right skin type and the right finish and the right setting products at the right time. Like if you understand how to do it right, you don't need airbrush to apply. So if you have an airbrush artist who is there and all they're doing is airbrushing the bridal party and the bride might be really excited by that because they've also been lied to and led to believe that it's somehow superior. It's somehow magic. And they're going to be like, well, but I don't want my makeup done with you. I want it done with the person doing the special shit. And how awkward is that going to be? So little things like that, you know, do they use the same type of products? Um, if you don't really use long wear matte liquid lipsticks, because your clients don't really like that look. They like traditional cream lipsticks or they're more of like a liner and gloss kind of thing or or whatever. But this person, 95% of the lip colors that they have are all these matte long wear lip colors. Then there's going to be a disconnect. One of you is going to have to be the one who's doing the lips for the whole bridal party because if there's a completely different look, it's not going to gel. It's again, it goes back to that cohesiveness in the photos. Um, I have some people that I work with that I absolutely love, but they gravitate towards darker, more dramatic lip colors. And my clientele are very nude, very like barely their color, satin lipsticks, um, glossy lips, those kinds of things, that's my clientele. And so I have to know when I'm bringing in these other artists, okay, I'm only going to book them on weddings where I know the bride and the bridal party already like color and it's going to gel well. And it's not going to be everybody that I did has a nude cream lipstick and they're out here putting on, you know, a long wear matte in a brick red or something like that. And they don't look like they're the same part of the bridal party. Uh, just those kinds of things pay attention to. Uh, also, I want you to look for references, not just reviews from brides, but references from other artists. Feel free to ask them, you know, and if you're doing an in-person interview or you're talking over social media or you're doing a Skype or Zoom or whatever interview, Ask them who else they have assisted and can you contact them? You have every right to ask that question and be like, hey, I'm going to make sure that other people have good things to say about you. When they had you come in for their wedding and assist them, I'm going to ask them, did they show up early? Did they show up on time or did they show up late? There's a distinction between the three of them. It's not just did you show up? Were you early? Were you right on time? 
or were you late? Some people have mindsets about timing. You know, if you're on time, you're late, you know, uh, or if you're earlier on time, if you're on time, you're late. Some people view things that way. If the start time is 9 a.m., did you show up at 9 or did you show up at 8.45 to get set up? Or did you show up at 8.30 to make sure that you were there early and all the artists can walk into the room at the same time and you all got started setting up by 8.45? So like people have different ways that they run their business and how they want you to show up. Ask them, how did they show up? when it came to time? How were they dressed? How did they speak and handle themselves? Did the clients ask for any touch-ups or redos? You know, did their work last throughout the day or throughout the morning? Or did you have to turn around and touch up their work? Okay, these things are all really important to ask these other artists to give you an indication of how your interaction with them is going to potentially go. So don't just look at reviews from brides. You don't know whether or not those are fake. Some people could put those kinds of things out there um, or just have, you know, great interactions with brides because they're the one whose reputation's on the line. They're the ones who's getting paid and they may not take things as seriously um, and behave the same way when it comes to working for you on your weddings. I do recommend making sure that you schedule some type of in-person interview because there are a lot of these little things that you can see for yourself that doesn't have to have that same kind of seriousness of a wedding day, okay? Schedule an in-person interview and see, are they early, are they on time, or are they late? And if they are late, do they have an excuse? How soon did they let you know that they were running late? If they're supposed to be there in five minutes and they're sending you a text saying, hey, I'm stuck in traffic, it'll be another 30 minutes, do you believe them? Is it realistic? Is it responsible to text somebody five minutes before you're supposed to be there and let them know it's going to be another 30 minutes? If you have a timer on your GPS telling you how long it's going to be until you get there and you know it is past the time when you're going to get there, you can't make up 25 minutes. Okay. There's no magic in the world where you can suddenly make up 25 minutes. You knew a long ass time ago, that you weren't going to get there on time. And you're just now five minutes before you're supposed to be there letting this person know. In my opinion, that's fucking rude. That is fucking rude and irresponsible and never in a million years would I trust that person with my business reputation and hire them for a wedding. The being late by 30 minutes, that is not what bothers me. The five minutes before you're supposed to be there, you're letting me know that? Nope. You knew that shit a long time ago. You knew you weren't making it on time. You should have owned up to the fact that you were going to be late a long fucking time ago. 30 minutes ago, you should have said, my GPS is saying I'm going to be there late. Or as soon as you ran into that traffic and the GPS updated your time, okay, there are apps out there that help you get your shit together, guys. Google Maps or Apple Maps, Waze, they all let you know what current traffic conditions are on your route 
and let you know when you're going to be there based on real-time traffic. It's not a tom-tom anymore, okay, where it's like this is the route and it's this number of miles at this speed, so we're going to guesstimate this is what time you will arrive. And it doesn't know what's actually happening on the roads. Apps on your phone to give you directions know what's going on on the roads. They are giving you real-time traffic. So if you're not somebody who uses those type of apps and you have important things that you're trying to get to, please stop blaming traffic. Traffic is no longer a thing. And maybe it's just because I live in an area where traffic is just like, that is life, okay? That is what you deal with. The same route could take you 45 minutes or it could take you 90 minutes, all right? But I don't care if I'm going to the grocery store five miles away. I always turn my ways on so that I can avoid the heavy traffic routes. Okay. There are ways to get around the excuse of traffic in the modern world. So please don't use that as an excuse. Yes, things happen. And that's completely acceptable. That's fine. I get it. You know, like life is life and sometimes you cannot avoid it sometimes you're on the highway and literally an accident will happen and traffic builds up and you do your best to get there on time but let people know that is the difference you can you know use traffic as an excuse so to speak because yes it's it's you know it's a thing of life that sometimes shit's gonna happen but how do you handle that because that tells me, okay, when something goes wrong on a wedding day, are you going to hide it or put it off or use an excuse? Or are you competent enough to realize when a situation is going sideways, when something isn't working, and then shift? Are you able to turn around and be like, okay, this is not the result that I wanted. This is what's holding me back. And here is how I can pivot to get the results that I want. Or here's the point where I need to have a conversation with somebody and apprise them of the situation and either speak with the client and be like, hey, I'm doing my best to try and get what you asked me for. This is not working. This is why it's not working. How do you want to proceed? If they have oily skin and the foundation is separating you need to take it off and start over again. Are you able to have a conversation with them and be like, hey, so what did you use on your skin today? Let's talk a little bit more about your skin so I'm using the right skincare to prep. Um, I know you said you wanted it super matte full coverage. The foundation that I'm using for that finish is not cooperating with your skin, uh, whatever, Let's talk about some more realistic expectations. Now that I've started the process, now that I've worked with your skin a little bit more and we can have that, you know, that compromise if it needs to happen. Or um, if you have a client whose hair is really oily um, and they wanted this light, airy updo, they didn't follow the directions. Can you go to the lead artist who hired you and said, hey, this is what she's asking for, but she clearly didn't follow the prep instructions. You know, I'm doing my best, but I'm not going to be able to give her what she wants. How do you want me to approach that? What conversation would you like me to have with her about whether or not we need to stop services because the hair is too oily, you know, or, or whatever, you know, like, are they able to stop and pivot to either one, overcome the challenge or two, 
have a conversation with either the client or the lead artist and say, hey, this is not going the way things are going. So your behaviors and how you behave outside of wedding days tell us how you are going to behave on wedding days when these things come up. How do you handle the simple challenge, the everyday fucking thing where there are a million and one ways to overcome it? How do you overcome traffic? Okay. Do you fall back on the excuse of traffic or are you proactive? So just kind of keep in mind when you are interviewing or you are being interviewed, how these behaviors can lead us into a deeper understanding of how that person's overall behavior is and how that can impact. And this may seem like, whoa, way deep level, but if you're somebody who's like working in a corporate world or things like that, these are the type of things. They don't ask you these same stupid fucking questions all the time because they actually give a shit about the answers. That is not what they're looking for. Tell me about a challenge and how you overcame it. You know, what does your car look like right now? If I went out into the parking lot, is it clean or is it dirty? Like they don't actually care about the fucking answer. One, they're paying attention to how you answer, whether you have an answer and what your answer says about how you are going to be able to perform your job. Okay. Working for their company and their company reputation on the line. Other things to look for, how are they dressed? Are they taking this seriously or are they showing up in between, you know, going to the gym and running to the grocery store and errands? Have they prioritized this meeting with you? Have they taken the time to come and be like, hey, I am interviewing with a beauty company. Let me make sure I actually look like a beauty professional, like I know what I'm doing. And when I say look like a beauty professional, I am not talking about a full beat face of makeup and the hair all perfectly done. And, you know, that's not what I'm talking about. How do you put yourself out there professionally to say, I take my appearance seriously? Okay. Um, because if people, if you want them to trust you that you're going to make them look good, you shouldn't look like you don't give a shit about your appearance. You can have the messy bun. All right. I, I am the queen of the messy buns. I'm always in a messy bun, but my hair is clean. My hair is brushed. Yes, it's in a, a messy bun, but it's not like falling apart messy bun. It doesn't look like I threw it up there, uh, you know, on my way out the door. And if it does start to fall, yes, I do. I take it out. I put it back up and I fix it, you know, uh, but I'm also making sure that I am, you know, at least wearing some nice earrings and that I have some makeup on and it doesn't have to be a full face. It can be some concealer under the eyes and some mascara. Groom your eyebrows. Keep them, you know, they're shaped nicely cleaned up and brushed through a little bit of lip gloss. You know, you don't have to do a full lip and you don't have to do full contouring, but you know, like, do you take care of your skin? If you're not going to wear foundation, do you, do you actually even take care of your skin? Like, do you care about how you look to be clean and presentable? Or do you look like, wow, this person rolled up in here looking like a hot mess. Like she literally just rolled out of bed. Like you take a, piece of your appearance and be like, okay, I'm going to wear some nice accessories. I'm going to wear a cute outfit. And today I might not do my hair or I'll do a very simple makeup kind of thing. That's fine. 
You don't have to have all of it completely done, but make it look like you give a shit. Okay. So how are they dressed? Are, is it important to them to make a good impression with you? Or are they like, whatever, I don't care. Um, you know, are they prepared? Do they have any questions for you? All right. Or are they just sitting there listening to how you talk? What kind of questions are they asking you? Are they asking you questions about what their responsibilities are? Are they asking you questions about how you run your business? Are they there on an information seeking, you know, um, quest? Are they there to be like, oh, let me see, let me ask how she runs things. Or is it pertinent? Like, okay, if I accept a job with you and half the bridal party cancels and you don't need me anymore, am I going to get, 48 hour notice? Am I going to get 30 day notice? What happens if it's within a week of the wedding? Am I still going to get paid? Like they can ask those kinds of questions about your contract, what your policy is for cancellations, because that pertains to, are they going to get fucked or not? Are you still going to pay them? All right. They have every right to ask questions about rates. Do you, um, charge a percentage? And if it's a percentage, as you increase your rates, does that mean that what I get paid per head also increases or is it a flat fee? So if you charge as the business owner $100 to the bride and you say, I'm going to pay my artist $75, okay, and they're good with working for that. And then you raise your rate to charge your brides for 2023 and it's now 125 are they still just getting $75 of that or are they going to get more and how much more? So having conversations like that is okay. If they're sitting there and they're asking you questions, well, how do you do this? Well, where do you get bookings from? Well, what kind of clients? And you know, those kinds of things, that's a fishing expedition. They're trying to find out a little bit more about how you run your business. When you are interviewing with somebody, don't ask them those kinds of questions. That's none of your fucking business. All right. Ask questions that pertain to how are you going to get paid? When are you going to get paid? What kind of expectations can you have about consistency of work, amount of income that you're going to make, notice for booking jobs or for canceling jobs? When are you, are you still going to get paid if things are canceled? What are the policies um, regarding assistance? All right. Um, those are the kinds of things that you have a right to ask about how they run their business. None of your business. Don't ask them. That's rude. Um, and that's a huge red flag to me. I used to have conversations when people would come in for interviews and I would, you know, well, this is how we get the clients and blah, 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 blah. And I was like really trying to sell them on this whole, like, here's how we run our business. And they'd be like, mm-hmm, interesting. Thank you. And then I'd never hear from them again. And I would get so frustrated and I'd be like, it's so hard to find good people. And it was just like, yeah, because I'm fucking telling them how to run my business and then they can turn around and they can apply it to their business. And of course, they're not going to come and work for me. They're going to go make the full rate somewhere else, booking their own brides because I just gave my whole fucking business plan. Don't share those details. That's nobody's business. They don't need to know that kind of stuff. Um, but they should be asking questions about terms of payment, um, cancellations, all those kinds of things. Your coverage area. Um, make sure to ask them, where do you live? And it could be just a town be like, okay, I'm in Leesburg, Virginia. I'll go, you know, to these following towns or within this radius of, 
where I live. And then you know, okay, if you have a wedding that is not within that radius or not on that list of towns, don't contact them. Or if you do contact them, expect them to be like, yes, I'm still available and I'm willing to help you on that. However, that's outside of this radius that we discussed. And my additional charge for that and for accommodating that is XYZ. Okay, that shows that they understand and they value their time. They have good business sense. Okay, and you as a business owner should expect and anticipate those type of conversations. And those conversations should be had well in advance. So make sure that you're writing a list of, okay, well, you live in this town. These are the towns where I most frequently do weddings. Um, you may be somebody who only works within 15 miles or whatever, or you're within your town. Okay. And you don't go outside of your immediate area and that's fine. Again, have conversations with them about that and be like, Hey, I just stick to Leesburg, Virginia. I just do weddings here. I don't want to go anywhere else. Um, or I haven't tried to go anywhere else, or I don't want to go any closer to a city. Like I don't like going into Maryland and I don't like going into DC. I've already mentioned that. So, you know, if somebody was going to work for me, they know. I am 99.9% sure she ain't ever going to ask me to go into DC. Cool. I don't like driving in that traffic either. I don't like looking for parking garages or having to valet at hotels and all the million and one other reasons why I hate going into DC too. They may feel the same way and be like, all right, I'm cool with working for this person because she's not going to expect me to go to places that I don't like going. Um, And then lastly, um, is your personality jive? Do you actually even like this person in person? Can you handle their energy? In case you haven't been able to tell through this conversation that you're listening to right now, I have a lot of high energy. I can be a little much for people. I swear. You know, like some people are just put off by me. If you're somebody who listens to my podcasts, you know, I am on episode, what is this, like 40 Now, if you've been listening to my podcast for a while, there's a good chance that you would stand being in a room with me. There are people who may have turned on this podcast, listened for five minutes, and been like, oh, oh, I can't listen to this person speak anymore. There are plenty of podcasts that I've turned on. I'm like, I don't care how valuable this information is. I don't like your voice. Okay. I have bought books on Audible and listened to like a half of a chapter and been like, I can't listen to this bitch talk anymore. Never mind. Fuck it. Return. Goodbye. I'll go read the book myself. I can't listen to this person's voice. Okay. You're going to be in a room for five or six hours listening to this person talk at high volumes over a room full of people. You got to make sure that you like their energy. You can be around them. Are they the kind of person that adds energy to a room, sucks energy from a room, or is neutral? Okay? You want to make sure. Does their energy balance your energy? Can you work together in a confined, high-stress environment alongside this person? And usually by having a good conversation with people, you can figure that out. Last couple of things, really important questions to ask. Are you willing to fill out a W-9? Okay. If they say no, that means that they are being um, expected to be paid under the table and leaving you footing the bill for their taxes. If somebody isn't willing to fill out a W-9 because they don't want to claim their income, don't fucking hire them. They are telling you, I don't care. You can pay the income tax on my money that you're paying me. Because if you don't have a W-9 and you don't have a way to tell the government, hey, I paid this person some wages, they're going to be like, well, technically 
um, your business made that income. So you owe the taxes on that income. If you can't show who you paid it out to, they're gonna be like, mm, no. Because when you file taxes for expenses, you need receipts for that. You need to be able to show this was a business expense for my business, okay? And it's a valid business expense. You don't get to claim everything that you buy, okay? You're not David from Schitt's Creek. That's not just, that's not how taxes work. That's not how expenses and write-offs and all those kinds of things. If you can't show that you paid, an, you know, not an employee, but um, a contractor to do work for you and it was a valid business expense, like it, it was legitimately for your business, the government's going to be like, mm, I know you paid them $500, but you pay the taxes on that $500. They don't want to pay the taxes on it. So don't ever pay people under the table like that without recording it. Okay. You can use Venmo. You can pay them in cash. You can give them the money. However, is more convenient for you, but make sure you have a record for it, or you are the one who is going to pay taxes on it. Okay. Um, so if they're not willing to fill out a W-9 and give you their information and claim their income to the government, they are trying to be shady and they're saying, I care more about avoiding taxes and hiding my money from the government than I do about you having to pay for it. So, um, uh, that's just really unprofessional. Don't hire those kind of people. Um, also ask him, do you assist for other companies? Um, are they looking, are you looking for a long-term relationship? Uh, are you looking to become a team member or are you looking for picking up occasional jobs? What's the frequency that you want to work? Are you looking for something long-term or are you just like, Hey, I'm willing to help you out this one time. Okay. Establishing what the relationship between the two of you is going to be over time will set the expectations for both of you. So there's no miscommunication about what either one of you is going to get from this relationship. How are you going to help them? How are they going to help you? Be very clear and upfront from the, with them about that from the beginning. And you'll have a much better working relationship. You're not going to run into snags where they're like, uh, do you have any jobs for me? Or you keep contacting them for shit and they're like, oh no, I'm already booked. And you're like, well, why did I interview you? And they were like, well, I just really just wanted a little bit of extra side income, but I'm making more money working for either this other company or working for myself, or I just don't do that many weddings. It's not as fun as I was thinking it was going to be or whatever, you know, those kinds of things. What is the expectation? Things to pay attention to as well. How quickly do they respond when you contact them? Um, how are they responding to you? Are, are they the kind of person that always has to text you, email you, send you DMs? Does your communication style match up? Uh, if you're a company person that uses Google uh, Calendar to manage all of your bookings and the availability for independent contractors, like I used uh, Google Calendar and I would send the invite to the people who would assist me because that was going to have the location. It was going to have the time I could see that they have accepted it. So I knew that they had confirmed because yeah, they clicked it and they, they clicked accept and it's now been added to their calendar. I know it's showing up in their calendar. Um, that's where I hosted the timeline and I could put notes in there to them. So they can't be like, Oh, I don't remember you telling me that like bitches in the notes. 
Like it's literally right fucking there. I told you, you were doing this, you know, there's no miscommunication. There's no argument. Everything was right there in black and white. They had a copy of it. I had a copy of it. And if somebody wasn't using Google calendar, there was a very likely chance that I wasn't going to work with them. I was going to be like, look, I don't have time to follow up with you and communicate with you and hold your hand this other communication method. Like I need somebody who's going to be able to click their email and accept, yes, I'm working this job. And I know all the details are there. That's their liability. It's their responsibility for checking those details and following up. I'm not there to hold their hand. And if people couldn't follow through with that, or they took forever to respond to my emails, my, my sense of trust in them and their reliability and that it was going to be a good fit just kind of continued to go down until there were people where they, you know, met a threshold where I was like, look, I just can't rely on you anymore. You take forever. I can't be sitting around waiting for your availability. Um, I can't be stressing out the night before a wedding that yes, you've read the details correctly. You've confirmed that you're actually going to show up or did you screw up and double book yourself because I use Google calendar and you, you use something else and you forgot to check that you already accepted a job with me in Google calendar and you booked something else and now you're double booked because we use two different calendar systems. So those type of things, do, does your system of how you organize your bookings and run your business mesh with them or are they clash? Are you going to be always stressed that this person didn't double book um, or that they didn't double book because they work for multiple companies? Those, those kinds of things. Um, how reliable are they with communication? I knew that there were some people that don't contact them through email, use Facebook Messenger or vice versa, or they were the kinds of person who I needed to uh, touch base with them over text. They would get back to me in emails, but it would take them three or four days because they don't prioritize my emails. But if I sent them a text, I'd get a response in 10 minutes. Those kinds of things. How do they communicate? Um, another question to ask, are you willing to sign a contractor agreement? Are they willing to sign on the dotted line and say, yes, I accept these terms? That if I say yes to a booking that I am actually committing and I'm not going to let you know a week beforehand, hey, I accepted a job with another company because it was higher pay or I booked my own bride for that. Um, what's going to be the recourse for those type of things? It's not a non-compete. It's not a full contract agreement kind of thing. Um, or it's, it's a contractor agreement, an independent contractor, and you can set whatever terms that you want that are, um, you know, enforceable within your state. Some states, you know, you can have non-competes or you can, you know, you can say, hey, um, I'm okay with you working with for other companies. Um, this is how I want you to, to, um, to behave uh, on, on weddings. You, know, you can set your own terms for what your expectations for the working agreement is going to be. Um, are they willing to sign that and, and be upheld? Okay. Are they willing to be like, yes, I, I accept these terms. I'm not going to renege on them. Um, or are they like, oh, no, no, we can have verbal communication, but, um, there's, I don't want anything to hold me accountable. Uh, also it's important to understand, do they book their own weddings or do they just work as contractor? 
for a bunch of other companies and then have the conversation around that with how your company falls into the prioritization level. And then also the last thing is not just, does their portfolio look similar to yours? Do you use similar products? Are they close to you? But um, does their business structure, so to speak, attract the same quality of brides? If they are somebody who is working with like the Walmart bride, you know, the DIY cheap, 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 wants everything done real real inexpensive, doesn't really care about quality. Like, is that the quality of clients that they're usually working with? They may not mesh great with your clientele if you're used to working with the luxury bride at the high-end country club or the, you know, luxe manor in the country kind of thing. Their personality and who they attract for their clients should be in line with yours because you know that they're they're going to be able to conduct themselves with that same level of professionalism. It's not as important and that's why it's kind of like that last qualification that I wanted to talk about. Um, but it is something to take into consideration. Are they working with the same caliber of clientele as you are? All right, kind of think of it almost like the whole pretty woman situation. Like, are they going to feel comfortable? Are their clients going to feel comfortable around them? Um, or is, could it potentially cost some, or, you know, cause some awkwardness? And that's not a reason to not hire somebody. But it's, you know, something to kind of think in the back of your mind. Do I need to have any conversations with them about what is acceptable behavior on a wedding day? Because they may be used to other things happening. You know, if you're the kind of person who is like, okay, yes, the clients may offer us champagne. We do not accept. I'm not okay with my people who are working for me and representing my business drinking alcohol on the job. I don't want your, you know, physical skills to be impaired. I don't want the liability of you going near somebody's eyeball with a, a lash curler or a whatever, a spoolie, uh, when you have alcohol in your system or holding a 400 degree curling iron near someone's neck or someone's ear or around a flower girl, you know, you might have those kinds of things and they may not be used to people offering them champagne and be like, Ooh, that's cool. Champagne. Yeah, sure. Things don't mind if I do not thinking anything of it because it's an experience that they're not used to. You know, just those little kinds of things. What are your expectations? How do you expect them to behave with the clientele that you're around? What type of experience does your business offer? Are you a calm, organized experience type of business? You come in, you're quiet, you're efficient, you're luxurious, you're relaxing, you have the spa music on in the background. Or is it the kind of high energy where we're going to be filming reels and we're going to be doing the trendy music. We're going to have the high energy and, you know, the music and whatever. Those kinds of things as well. What is the level of the experience that your business provides? Make sure that those type of things mesh. It's not always about the price point because um, I don't want it to come across like, people who pay a lot of money are uptight and bougie, like, you know, the whole pretty women situation, but just, I'm just talking about like a fish out of water type of feeling. 
Um, not necessarily so much around price point, but also around energy in the room. And sometimes price point does matter. Sometimes, you know, luxury brides and higher end experiences do just have a different mindset. Um, and you want to make sure that the person that you're hiring to represent your business is going to come in um, and, ex you know, hold up that same type of experience and have the same mindset that you do or understand what your mindset is. You know, like the example with the alcohol that we always say no, that we don't take the alcohol um, or that if they offer us food, we do it at the end after we're working. We don't stop working to go have a snack and eat because they offered it to us that when our job is done, then we can eat. Like those are just like little conversations about behavior expectations. Um, and you can either ask them that outright or you can have those type of things in the contractor agreement and be like, hey, are you cool with this? This is how I expect things to be on wedding days with my clients. I don't want to have cross-contamination. I don't want it to look, I don't want people to look and think we're being lazy by going and, and taking a, a food break. And then what if we run behind? And they're like, you know, like whatever your viewpoint is. And I'm not saying that it has to be that kind of viewpoint, but some people have, you know, these type of uh, policies in place, have that conversation. So um, that's basically what I recommend when it comes to looking for either an assistant or a long-term assistant uh, or an employee. If you're building a team, all of these things are now 10 times more important because they are going to be things that are going to be a part of your employee agreement. Okay. If they are going to be representing your business exclusively. All right. And you're going to be sending them out on jobs to represent your company without you there. If they are an assistant, they are assisting you while you're there. Or are they going to be an employee who you send out, um, in your stead? So um, really take the time to interview people uh, just because they're available does not mean that they're a good fit for you. Don't be booking weddings where you don't already have uh, a staff available and then you're running around scrambling last minute, okay, to find somebody. That's not a very healthy way to run a business because that's when you're going to run into people who are willing to screw you over because they know you're desperate. You took a job you couldn't fulfill and now you need somebody and they'll be like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And they'll, you know, they may not take it very seriously. They may leave you hanging um, or they may extort money from you that you wouldn't have paid if you had just, you know, done the legwork beforehand to have a pool of these available people that you can contact and have a conversation with and be like, hey, I know that we're going to be a good fit. I know that you're going to fill in for me well, X, Y, Z, whatever. So um, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I wanted to let you know as the first episode for the month of December, um, for this month, I am doing a little contest. Um, if you leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, I want you to go ahead and I want you to screenshot it. It has to have the date. It has to have been posted sometime during the month of December of 2022. Um, send me a DM on Instagram. My Instagram handle is at beautybizcollective. So it's beauty, B-I-Z, 
collective, okay? So, so screenshot it, send me a DM. Everybody who leaves me a review on one of those two platforms um, will be entered into a drawing to win um, a one-on-one -on -one coaching session with me. So uh, the coaching session will be held sometime in the month of January. All right. I do them over Zoom. It's a 90-minute coaching session where you can pick my brain, ask me any questions that you want. Um, I will go through and help you find the blind spots in your business so that you can have a more profitable, sustainable, and life-work balanced year for 2023. So go ahead, leave me a review. If you leave me a review on both of them, your name is entered into the drawing twice. Um, I will host the drawing on Instagram on New Year's Day. So January 1st of 2023. So go ahead, leave me those reviews, screenshot and send them to me. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening today. Have a wonderful rest of whatever you're doing this wonderful Monday. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you feel empowered, knowledgeable, and capable of handling anything that your business throws your way. Don't forget to subscribe to get access to new episodes as they are released each week on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Love today's episode? Let me know. Leave me a review and tell me what your biggest takeaway was from the conversation. Have a request for a future topic or someone you'd like to hear me interview? Find me on Instagram at beautybizcollective and drop me a DM. And if you're hungry for more actionable content to help you grow your bridal business, go to www.swearsanddoeshair.com slash bookmorebrides to sign up for my free on-demand training and learn how to book better quality brides faster, easier, and with less stress.